Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Marion Franklin, a GB Kinesiolum athlete. Yeah, I'm Joe Clark. I am the Olympic champion from Rio 2016. I'm Joe Fraser, Team GB gymnast. Hey, my name's Emma Wilson. Uh, I'm a windsurfer. Uh, I'm really happy to be selected for Team GB for Paris 2024. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast covering the Games all the time rather than once every four years. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And we have been thinking about this a lot. So we're going to say, from here on in, we're en route to Paris for this summer's Olympics and Paralympics, which is now just five months away. Five months until the Olympic opening ceremony, and I love an opening ceremony. You can see what we do in between episodes discussing en route to Paris. Coming up in this episode, we return to Paris to hear from Team GB as they get games ready. Having strong collaborative relations with it means that we can get some advantages and one of those advantages is where we are located in the Olympic Village. Could Olympic medalist Sky Brown compete in surfing and skateboarding en route to Paris? 650 of the world's best indoor athletes, apart from one Scot, will gather in Glasgow this weekend. We'll have the story and the highlight of some ones to watch. Uh, We should probably say en route to Tahiti as well, (laughs) as far as the Olympic surfing is concerned. We'll also round up the rest of the news from the Games. Uh, We've got some cycling, para, table tennis, marathon running. And we've also got a message for Sir Jim Ratcliffe about the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, please stay in touch with us and see what we're about at any time. Anything but footy on social media or through the website, the new and improved website, anythingbutfooty.com. Now, the Olympics is always changing. Since 1896, as many as 10 sports have vanished from the schedule, including tug of war, which I think is a loss, and not to mention the arts and cultural events that you could win a gold medal at back in the day. Well, in Paris this year, breaking is one of the new sports, and we know LA will welcome back lacrosse and cricket, to name but two, to the Games in 2028. Now, the reason I bring this up is, as we've discussed in the last couple of episodes of Anything But Footy, sport 
does need to innovate. So as the world's best athletes gather in Glasgow for the World Indoor Championships, the long jump debate continues, kicked off by our interview with World Athletics CEO John Ridgen in Great British Bosses. And President Seb Coe will be meeting the media on Thursday this week. We'll be very intrigued to see what he has to say. Paris is preparing to stage its third Olympics and its first Paralympic Games. And we, as we've said, are now just five months away from the Olympics starting. I've been catching up with Team GB Chef de Mission, Mark England, who's just back from the French capital after another few days over there, making sure that Team GB are games time ready. Mark, five months away from the Paris Olympics. How are Team GB all set up? Yeah, we're, we're actually in very, very, very good shape. Um, we were only there last week. We took uh, 70 of us over to Paris for a, a few days. Um, team leaders that are preparing in in, um, in Saint-Germain-en-Laye, just to the west of Paris, 20 minutes to the west of Paris, uh, they had a you know really good look at, at that particular uh, site and how everything would work for them. Um, and then those that are those that are training and preparing in France, they um, they went over, they kicked the tyres over there, that's swimming, boxing, table tennis and, and gymnastics. And, um, and then we all congregated in Paris near our performance lodge and our accommodation for the game sites. And, and I can say that we spent some time with the organising committee and um, from our perspective, from Team GB's perspective, uh, I'd say we're in excellent shape. How much do you work with the organising committee to ensure that everything is as you want it to be for games time? Yeah, Paris 2024 organising committee, we have to work closely with them. You know, we want to be top European nation and that's a pretty tough ask with, with, with France. We want to be top five in the medal table. And so just getting every ounce of performance advantage for, for British athletes is super important. And so working with the organising committee, get inside their thinking, get inside their presentation and then working really closely with them, having strong collaborative relations with them means that we can get some advantages. And one of those advantages is where we are located in the Olympic Village. So we're one of the larger National Olympic Committees. We'll probably be around 350 athletes, somewhere in the region of that. And, and so we're just... You know, we want to that that we want the best space for uh, British athletes. We want um, more. You know, just to kind of paint a picture of the of the village. It's typically it's twin bedrooms and so on. But but there are some single rooms. So the more single rooms that we can get for British athletes, that you know, the the better. Just the location near the dining hall, near the transport mall, just a quieter location. You know, just just near. Um, you know, so, some areas that we feel that gives British athletes a bit of rest and relaxation away from the away from the uh you know the the noise and the and and the distractions of of where they are you know ten and a half thousand athletes in an olympic village you know seventeen thousand people there so you know it's a, it's a small town in itself um in a very very small footprint so you know anything that we can do with getting that performance advantage and and, and so you know it's super important that we're close with the organizing committee and you know luckily i've I've worked with some of the guys there for, for you know, a couple of Olympiads or more, you know, going back to Rio de Janeiro. And I remember when we spoke in Rio, you were having to get electricians and plumbers in to fix things up in the Olympic Village right up to games time. Obviously, Tokyo was a COVID game. So does this one feel a little bit smoother in the preparation? 
It does. It does. It's the closest we're going to get to a home games. Obviously, couple of couple of hours on on Eurostar. You know, we've got a great contract with um, with Eurostar, and you know they 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 looked after us very well last week, and, and all the team leaders there and back. And we kind of road tested a few of the things that we would like to do for the athletes, just on that particular journey. But yeah, you know, um, Rio was interesting uh, in, in a number of ways, as you. As you rightly point out, and then it was very, very difficult in Tokyo. Thirty thousand COVID tests on the British delegation alone um, over the, the kind of four or five weeks that we were there. So you know that was that was very stressful uh, on occasion. And um, and now just to have the opportunity, and, and more importantly, the athletes have the opportunity to showcase their talents in um, you know in full venues um, spectators but not just that I mean if you speak to any athlete they say you know the opportunity to to be in front of family and friends and and, and to be in competition in front of family and friends is you know very important to them and and, and we recognize that and we support that enormously and as chef de mission obviously your role doesn't stand still the Olympics don't stand still we've got new sports new disciplines coming in this time that is what sport and the Olympic Games needs to do, isn't it? Innovate, for example, breaking coming in this time, something brand new. Yeah, you know, and it's a surprise that breaking is not in 2028. So, you know, just for your listeners, you know, there are 26 sports in London. There are going to be 35 new, or 35 sports in, in Los Angeles and, and and four new sports in this, you know, in, in Paris. So, um, you know, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting development in terms of, breaking new ground, no pun intended at all, uh, breaking new ground, but also, you know, the opportunity to, to get new people interested in a global multi-sport event. You know, it's fantastic. I did an interview with John Ridgen at World Athletics the other day. He was talking about potential changes to long jump, that there won't be a board and a mark. There'll be a, a long jump zone. When you've got a sport like that, which is 150 years old, do you, do you see why they are looking maybe at making changes to it? I think sport presentation, uh, and, you know, and there's some great people at the IOC who work in there, you know, Kit McConnell heads it up, you know, sport innovation and how it's presented um, to, to the public and to, you know, predominantly to a kind of a global viewing audience. There's 4.4 billion people, I think, watch the Olympics at some point um, over the course of the 17 days. It's super, super important that they innovate, that they re-energise the sports. And, you know, John will be looking at track and field and, I think if you're outside of track and field, you you know, there's a lot going on at the same time, you know, in, in a in an arena. There's an awful lot that goes on at the same time. So so anything that makes it um, easier to, to comprehend, uh, anything that innovates and makes it more exciting, anything that speeds up, uh, which is the, the, the purpose here, it's speeding up the competition and, and, and making it more attractive and more live, then, then you know, fair play to them. And, and you can see that some of the sports, you know, swimming's gone through a really good um, innovation in terms of the way that the, the swimmers and the athletes are presented. You know, the, all of those things are, you know, really important in terms of just engaging with the public. And talking about re-engaging and innovating the games, I thought certainly in Tokyo, the new urban sports gave a new energy to the games. And on that theme, could we see Sky Brown competing in skateboarding in Paris, and then your and your team's job to then try and get her to Tahiti to compete in surfing as well. Is that possible? Um, it's possible and probable. So <laughs> she's out. Um, she's out in a in a competition this week, um, seeking 
qualification in the surfing event. A great, you know, she's got, got a great history um, in surfing. She's she's a very very good surfer. Her father was a surfing coach. That's where that's where he um, he developed and then she developed the skills as, as a result of that. He, you know, he opened up surf schools in Japan. That's that's how that that um, family became um, you know half British, half Japanese, and and. You know, she surfs at five thirty every morning um, out in um, out in California. That's her. I think that's her love. And if she can, uh, if she can um, secure qualifications for both, then you know, fair play to her. That, that that's terrific. She broke all records, being the youngest uh, medalist at the age of thirteen. Um, you know, for Team GB, and, and she would become the first um, British athlete to compete in two different sports at the same game. So if, if she pulls it off, you know, we'll absolutely do everything we can to uh, to get her on the start line for both. It must be great to have a, a superstar like Sky in the in the Team GB cohort, if you like. Well we've got a few, you know, that's the that's the great thing about um about Olympics and and the longevity of some some athletes. You know, we're we're very, very fortunate. We've got um multi-medalists but also multi-olympians so if andy murray is selected in, in in the doubles as he may well be that would be his fifth olympic games if uh you know helen glover is selected in the in the row which he's likely to be that would be you know 12 16 21 and, and 24 four-time olympian for her you know and, and the list goes on you know we have some very 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 high quality athletes who had, had just been committed committed to their craft over decades you know i mean that is something that um you know that, that that nobody should forget really and for you obviously we talked about rio tokyo paris still got the appetite as always for it mark have you got something good to look forward to afterwards a holiday book not under canvas this time well, my tent blew away and it's still in cornwall somewhere so uh, <laughs> i think that i think that's a lost cause but um I'm very, very fortunate, as you know, you know, to, to to be selected for a third time to to lead the team. It's a huge privilege to do so. Uh, I've just selected my leadership group, you know, and and I'm very mindful of um, you know bringing in some some top women into that. So, Dr. Charlotte Cowie, uh, we we've selected as our chief medical officer. Nikki Cambaro is our chief physiotherapist, and and Frankie Carter Kelly as as one of the deputy chefs from Commonwealth Games England. So, you know, we've got a strong female representative in the leadership, which is important to me. Um, you know, but I, I've been um I've been super lucky. And, and you know, and it's just, you know, it's just 16, 20, 24, you know, they're just some terrific performances across those, you know, some real great medals that you remember, some real great moments in sport that you remember and being and having the ability and, and 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 the possibility to work alongside some fantastic athletes that we have, and support staff, you know, the support staff have just been brilliant. So behind every, you know, three hundred and fifty whatever it is Olympians that we have, you know, there's a there's an army of nearly a thousand uh, out in country working behind the scenes diligently to make it all possible, and 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 you know, another thousand back home making it all possible as well. Some you know those that don't. And aren't so lucky to, to get on the get on the team sheet. Well, we look forward to working with you as we get closer to Paris. Thanks very much, Mark. My pleasure as always. Thank you. Mark England speaking to us about Team GB's preparations there for Paris as the team are in really good shape. Interesting to hear how closely as well that Team GB have been working with the local organising committee 
of Paris 2024. We understand that Team GB were the last delegation in there, actually, before they shut the village and the facilities down for the final works and the dressing of the venues, as we'll see them in the summer. And interesting as well to hear him there talking about innovation in sport. And uh, it seemed to me that he's very much a fan of the need to innovate, the Olympics need to innovate, and he will have overseen quite a lot of that in his tenure from Rio to Tokyo with the introduction, as I said there, of some of those urban sports. And that brings us on to Sky Brown. And I perhaps wasn't expecting that response from Mark there. I said, could could she do surfing and skateboarding? And I thought Mark, being the level-headed details man, would have said about all the challenges that that would bring, going from Paris to Tahiti, 10,000-mile journey. But no, his response was not just possible, but probable. Uh, so what I would say about Sky Brown potentially representing Team GB in surfing and skateboarding, looking to make more Olympic Games history. Watch this space. You heard it from Mark English, chef, the mission of Team GB. So a new federation, GB Surfing, has been created in the last five months, trying to create a pathway for British competitors to Brisbane 2032 in a sport that made its debut in the Olympics in Tokyo, another new sporting innovation for the Olympics. GB Surfing says it's not about medals now, but say they currently have a team competing in the World Surfing Games in Puerto Rico, including Sky Brown. So a total of 48 surfers will be competing in Paris. Well, I say Paris, as uh, Michael pointed out, the competition will not take place in France, but 10,000 miles away in Tahiti, in the French Polynesian island located in the Pacific Ocean. 24 men, 24 women, eight more in total than were at Tokyo 2020. The big question, will Sky Brown be there? We'll, of course, let you know how they get on. Just a word on that. Do you remember how much we loved the bus to the sailing venue, which was about an <laughs> yes. hour, hour and a half In outside Rio. of Rio? Yes. yes. And we used to go there just basically, I used to go there just to get my best hour and a half sleep. So I'm thinking the bus from Paris to Tahiti, 10,000 miles. I mean, I could pretty much nap my way through the games, couldn't I? <laughs> I think if you got the bus, I don't think you'd be back until LA 2028, <laughs> would you? Uh, this is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. Stay with us. We're about to preview the world indoor athletics in Glasgow and discuss the Scot who's not there. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Anything But Footy, and we are en route to Paris 2024, and we start with a diversion to Glasgow this weekend. 651 athletes, 331 women, 320 men, 108 medals, 26 events, 18 reigning world champions in action, and one World Indoor Athletics Championship in Glasgow as Michael said. We'll let you know some of the ones to watch in a moment. But first, five more British athletes have been added to the British team of 21 we told you about last week in the last episode after those British championships that Michael was at in Birmingham. And after taking in consideration the latest world rankings and invites from World Athletics, Amelia Campbell and Scott Lincoln will both compete in the shot put for Great Britain, Amy Hunt in the 60 metres, Hannah Nuttall in the 3,000 metres and Abigail Paulett in the pentathlon. 
all will represent British athletics this weekend. But Scotland's 800-metre runner, Guy Learmonth, who's been a British champion five times, but missed out in Birmingham by 0.001 seconds, which I had to Google and is apparently one thousandth of a second, one thousandth of a second to winning. And he just missed out. So he didn't win. He came second and he didn't qualify. But he has had an invite from World Athletics but that has not been accepted by British Athletics. He says it's total nonsense. He's disillusioned with the sport. And at the age of 31, he says it's new faces, same BS, which I think we all know uh, with British Athletics. Uh, British Athletics say they don't comment on individual qualification. I can comment, though, on individual qualification, and I will comment on this one. I do feel sorry for Guy Learmonth. I mean, uh, we saw him. I saw him in Birmingham just miss out. There were some uh, reasons behind, I think, his performance on the day. He cited uh, some injury and some illness that he'd had in the the build-up to the event. But British Athletics have set the rules, and under the CEO, Jack Buchner, now, those rules are being really strictly enforced. And I think what Jack Buchner will say is, look at my track record. I took a small team. There were people that missed out that thought they should have gone to the last World Championships in Budapest. I delivered a record haul of medals. Look at my track record with British swimming. Again, went through this process with British swimming. Swimmers who thought they should have been on teams going to major meets, major events that didn't get to go. And, well, when you look at it, British swimming delivered a record haul of medals in Tokyo at the last Olympics. That is the policy. That is the process that British athletics are going through now with Jack Buchner. Now, I think we know that there are some financial issues with the organisation. And Guy Learmont said, look, I'd pay my own way to go. But I don't think you can have a team where you've kind of got half, if you like, under the British Athletics banner. And then you've maybe got some that are slightly there as independent. If you're there on the team, you're on the team. And you have access to the same travel arrangements, same hotel, same support staff, same nutrition, same physios and everything else. And I do, as I said right at the start, feel sorry for Guy Learmont here. But I think British Athletics are looking at him and you mentioned his age, 31, looking at where they think they can win medals or where they feel athletes will benefit from being at this event for the future. So for someone like Scott Lincoln, chance maybe of a medal at the European Championships later on this summer. Mm. That's why I think he's been included. And that's why I think Guy Learmonth has probably at this stage been left out. It does seem quite bizarre. And the fact that he's a Scot and he's not allowed to compete as he sees it, in his home games, if it was somewhere else, it might it might make a bit more sense because I think you've explained it incredibly well. I suppose my question is, should there be sentimentality in sport? Should we have said for this last occasion, you've you've served Britain well, um, we'll let you we'll let you compete in 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 in, in your home games? I think there is sentimentality in sport and probably there should be sentimentality in sport. We mentioned it, didn't we, in a recent episode that we were both disappointed that David Beckham never got the call mm. up for London 2012 to play in the football team, even though he probably, based on his performances at the time, shouldn't have been there. He helped win the bid. It would have been nice to see him. It would have been a little bit of stardust for the Olympic movement. That's where I think sentimentality in sport should come in. But British athletics aren't a sentimental organisation at the moment. They can't be a sentimental organisation. I don't think this is a personal decision based on Guy Learmonth, and I don't think it's a personal decision based on the fact they should have selected him because the games are in Glasgow. It's a performance-based decision, and we've had these conversations before about this. You want a team that go there where you think that everyone is there to either get on the podium, reach a final, 
or to gain considerable experience for something that might come down the line. And that's why some of those names, those five mm. more British athletes have been named. So this is a performance decision. And we have heard on this podcast when we've spoken to the likes of Jack Buckner and other people that are performance directors and CEOs of big organizations. And when we've spoken to them on our Great British Bosses podcast as well, if you have people around the team that don't have that specific role that I've just outlined to be on a podium, get a medal, get into a final, then that detracts from the rest of the team. And that 0.001%, that one thousandth, if you like, percent, <laughs> um, could then impact performance of somebody else and you take away from them. Better news, brighter news for Britain, someone you talked about last week. Yep, on a brighter British note, I did mention her last week, rising pole vault star Molly Cordery uh, is in terrific form at the moment. She's improved her world lead again ahead of Glasgow in France. She cleared 4.86. Now, she will be in action on Saturday evening from 7 o'clock in the pole vault indoor world final. I'm looking forward to being there for that one. Uh, other ones to watch, men's 60 metres Friday night, quarter to 10, USA's Noah Lyles and Christian Coleman both in action. Jeremiah Azu will go for Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The first gold medal is given out on Friday morning. That's the women's shot put with the women's pentathlon right throughout the two sessions as well. Morgan Lake will compete in the women's high jump final on Friday evening. We'll also see Femke Boll and Karsten Vorholm in action in the 400-metre heats and semi-finals on Friday. Lavia Nielsen will go for Great Britain and Northern Ireland in that one. And could it be a super Saturday in Scotland for Laura Muir and Josh Kerr? They both go in their respective 3,000 metres on Saturday evening, which could be an incredible way to finish Saturday night, while the men's and women's 800 metres and 50 1,500-metre finals bring the curtain down on Sunday. Uh, Gemma Riki will hope to be in that 800-metre final. Look, there are lots more events, as I mentioned earlier, 26 events taking place, lots of medals to be won. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it. Michael said you're going to be there uh, as well. So uh, keep an eye on our socials on anything but footy. Yeah, you wouldn't want to miss my selfies. Uh, in other news <laughs> from the Games, the British National Track Championships return to Manchester after a bit of a revamp of the velodrome there for the first time in four years. Emma Finnegan, Georgette Rand, Millie Tanner and Sophie Catewell clinched gold in the women's team sprint. Pete Mitchell was crowned comeback king in the men's sprint. Lauren Bell was undefeated as she won the national women title in style. She went on to claim the Kieran on Sunday too. Will Perrett won the points race for the second year running. Jenny Hull won the women's points and the scratch race title to make it a memorable weekend for her and Neil and Laura Faki they keep delivering medals <laughs> don't they we've been talking about Neil and Laura Faki delivering medals for years and years and years they both took national titles just three minutes apart well done yeah absolutely uh, the TCS London Marathon which we look forward to hopefully covering this April has become the first marathon in the world to make its prize money for wheelchair and non-disabled athletes exactly the same all winners in the elite races of this year's event on Sunday, April 21st, will receive $55,000, with the runner-up earning $30,000 and third place $22,500. Great to see that equality coming through and London leading the way once again. Yeah, maybe Wimbledon and the All England 
Tennis club could be next with that one. European para table tennis champion Will Bailey has already secured the regional spot in the men's class seven. But as the final month of qualifying for Paris 2024 continues, he'll be competing in Kazakhstan in March. Athletes will also be heading off to Italy, Spain and Poland, hoping to consolidate or improve their chances of competing in Paris later this summer. And a message for Jim Ratcliffe. Sir Jim Ratcliffe, if he's listening to the podcast as we finish off, the owner of the Ineos Grenadiers cycling team and the, Hello, part, Jim. <laughs> the part shareholder of Manchester United. This is my message. Bid for the Commonwealth Games. Now, why am I saying that? Because he has said this week in lots of articles in newspapers and on the BBC that he wants to build a new Trafford. So an, a, a new Old Trafford, if that makes sense. He says Old Trafford is not good enough and he wants to build a new Trafford. But he wants to use public money for it because he says that why is there not a national stadium available for the North? He says, where's the national football stadium? Where's the national rugby stadium? Both of them are in London. Where's the Olympic Park, he said. Well, that's in London too, he said. And he said, what about levelling up? Now, to be fair, I think that was about three prime ministers ago, which is admittedly is only about 12 months ago. But anyway, he wants a stadium up in the north and he wants, despite being the richest man in Britain, with his 21 billion dollars or whatever he has he wants a free stadium in effect so this is my message to him bid for the commonwealth games stage the commonwealth games in 2026 or 2027 build a stadium and you get a brand new stadium exactly like manchester city did after manchester in 2002 and michael i think you'd be there supporting him wouldn't he with your northern bid yeah, it's interesting you mentioned levelling up. I thought we're down to trickling down now. Um, <laughs> I'm confused. Anyway, the Northern Powerhouse definitely isn't a thing anymore, I'm told. But yeah, the Northern Powerhouse Commonwealth Games bid is something that we have been championing. Uh, we've had some support. We've had some national press and media interest. And well, you're right. This could be a, a terrific opportunity for Manchester United, uh, for Sir Jim Ratcliffe and for the north of England as well, because I think that's the one big venue that's missing. We've kind of earmarked Gateshead, whether it could undergo like a, an Alexander Stadium, Birmingham style revamp and stage the athletics there. But if uh, Manchester United, if Sir Jim Ratcliffe are serious about this, well, the 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 the, um, the roadmap's there, isn't it? You yeah. mentioned it. Manchester City did it in 2002. They built three sides of that stadium, had the track. They had a temporary stand at one end. I remember it well. I was there watching those games. And then they took the temporary stand away. Uh, they took the track out and they closed it up. And now the Etihad is a terrific venue for football. So, mm. yeah, I just wonder, though, where are we now? Early 2024, even if we delayed that Commonwealth Games to 2027, I still think it would be pretty tight. He's got the money, though, hasn't he, to pay for it as well. Just, he wants us to pay for it. That's oh, yeah, good point. point. Oh, yeah, that's the down. It'll be like HS2. We'll be still waiting there in 2032. <laughs> you're, you're listening to anything but footy. We've got a bit political. Let's get back to the Olympics and Paralympics. <laughs> yeah, only five months to go to the Games, and you can check out all our socials in the week. Keep up to date with the latest information, anything but footy, on the likes of Threads, or Insta or TikTok that Michael's in charge of. I, I really need to sign up to TikTok and find out what we've been doing. But anyway, uh, we're all there. We're all available. You also check out our brand new website, anythingbutfooty.com. Lots of Paris pictures on there because, as Michael said, stay with us. We are en route to Paris 2024. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.